When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Most people, at some point or other, fail imposter syndrome. It's that little voice in your head that says, what makes you think you can hold your own among all these other people around you? It's the voice that tells you all the reasons why you are going to fail, why you're not going to be successful, and why you should be afraid that one day they're going to find you out, that you actually don't belong, and it was a mistake. Welcome to How To. I'm science writer David Epstein. You ever start a new job and it feels like absolutely everyone has the right experience except you? Or maybe you excitedly take on some ambitious new project only to turn around right away and start wondering how you ever thought you could do this. Or maybe you showed up at an event, realized that everyone else got the memo to wear fancy giant face watches. So in order to fit in, you ran right out and bought a cheap knockoff that didn't actually keep time. Never happened to me. Okay, that totally happened to me. All of those scenarios have. And, you know, I'm probably not alone. Hi, my name is Hannah. I am a fourth year medical student, and I'll be starting um, my residency this summer. I'm pretty excited about it. Hannah's about to become a practicing doctor, but she's constantly doubting herself. That's why she reached out to us about what is commonly called imposter syndrome. The way I understand imposter syndrome, it's like, despite any evidence of, you know, merit or how good you are or anything like that, there's this like overarching sense of being found out for for being a phony. And, and it kind of teeters the line of insecurity, but it's it's something it's something deeper than that. Hannah says she worried about feeling like a phony all through med school, despite winning awards for her work. But recently, the feelings got even more intense when it came time to apply to a residency program. It's a high-stakes process called matching. I had, you know, my top few choices that I really was kind of had my heart set on. I let myself get there, and my posture syndrome was, like, so high. It was like, if I get my top choice, all it will do will delay when I get found out as this imposter. And if I don't, you know, get my top choice, then maybe it'll confirm I'm this imposter. It was like, no matter what, I like was setting myself up for like disappointment. Hannah didn't get her top choice program, but she did get her first choice of an extremely competitive specialty. And so where does that leave your, you know, your feelings of uh, inadequacy or imposter syndrome? It's like this kind of stalemate. Mm. And so now it's it's the reality is setting in that I'll, I'll start work um, this summer. And my medical clinical education was really disrupted with the coronavirus pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I have pretty significantly less clinical time than, than previous graduates have. And so it's like, do I embrace like the feeling of being an imposter or do I just like wait for it to go away? Mm. (laughs) You know? And I mean, you are going to have people's lives in your hands, right? So it's not like the stakes are totally in your head with all this, like the stakes are high. Yeah. (laughs) Like 
more than anything else, I just want to become an excellent physician. It's disheartening to think that the way I present myself could interfere in in my ability to to be an excellent physician. And then mm. that's and that's why I'm here, you know. Oh, that's why I don't want myself to get in the way of my of my career. Our expert this week, Shelley Archambault, knows this feeling of inadequacy all too well. And you might be surprised to hear that, given that she's not only worked as a big shot CEO in the tech world, but she's a black woman who broke glass ceiling after glass ceiling in Silicon Valley. Studies actually show that most people at some point or other feel imposter syndrome. Women more so than men, hmm. and women of color actually the most. So I can't tell people how to get over it. I can tell you how to deal with it. On today's show, how to fake it till you make it. You may never completely tame imposter syndrome, but you can learn to live and thrive with it. We'll dive in after this quick break. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions, built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. When Shelley Archambault was growing up, she decided that one day she was going to be a CEO. But the rest of the world wasn't always on that same page. I also grew up in the very racially charged 60s for elementary school and 70s. Mm. And I ended up frequently being the only black girl, not only in my class, sometimes in the grades, sometimes in the school. So I didn't feel I belonged. And I mm. know that all of that contributed to the ultimate imposter syndrome, you know, that I would feel. So mm. imposter syndrome was something that it just was always with me. I didn't even know the name of it for the longest time. I just knew mm -hmm. I had all the self-doubt. But I managed to do well anyway. Well is an understatement. Shelley rose up the ranks at IBM over 15 years. She held domestic and international executive positions. 
She then went on to serve as the CEO of a top software company, and today she's on the boards of a number of huge companies, including Verizon. But I'll tell you, Hannah, I remember when I first got my, my very first management job, and I walk into the office as a manager, right, that very first day, thinking, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to do this job. What made people think that I could actually do this job? Why did I want this job? Oh, my God. That same feeling, right, would happen every time I get that next level, the thing that I strive so much for. And then you get it and you think, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Wait till they figure out. I don't know as much as they think I know, right? All of those things. So imposter syndrome raced its head every step of the way. What I learned, however, was a lot of people feel imposter syndrome. So it's not just me. Yeah. All that little voice that's just pecking away at your brain, turn that thing off. It's not real. Then realize that you only get invited to the table if people feel you deserve it. So if you can't believe in yourself, mm. believe them. Shelly, you've written and talked about the importance of uh, having cheerleaders. Can you elaborate on that? Definitely. A cheerleader is the person or people in your life that are going to say, go, Hannah, go, Shelly, come on, David, you got this, right? It's the person that is going to give you that energy, remind you how capable you are, right? Really get you ready for battle because life is hard. Life is a battle. So when we're feeling like, oh, I don't know if I should take this job, right? I don't really know enough, et cetera. Well, no, no, no. They're the ones that say, listen, they offered you the job. They obviously believe that you can do it, right? So you can do this. Hannah, do you have people like that? Yes. One of them is my older sister and one of them is my um, significant other. And they they both were just so happy for me and like, and I was so afraid that they were going to be disappointed in, in the location or the program or whatever that it was hard for me to even like hear how happy they were for me. And like it really helped me kind of then genuinely myself get excited about it too. Here's our first rule. When you're having trouble believing in yourself, believe other people. Take their praise at face value, especially from the people who gave you the job or the assignment in the first place. They obviously believe in you. Shelley, do you think there's a difference between imposter syndrome and a general lack of self-confidence? You know, I, I do. Imposter syndrome is something that doesn't sit with you all the time. It typically flares mm -hmm. up in specific moments. It's, it's almost transactional versus a lack of self-confidence is there all the time. Shelly said even now with everything she's done, she still feels bouts of imposter syndrome. When I became a director on the board of Verizon, at this point, I'd been a CEO for about a decade. So this wasn't a new thing. And I get ready to walk into the Verizon board meeting and I look and there's the CEO of Walgreens. Oh my God, that is the former secretary of transportation. And over there is the former chairman of the SEC. Am I going to be able to hold my own in this room? Do I, I actually belong at this table? And then it was like, wait a minute, Shelly, I almost slapped myself. It's like, come on, you know, get over it. Right? So I realized <laughs> what it is. But did I feel it in that moment? I absolutely did. The good news is I know what it is when it's happening. 
And I'm now able to slap myself out of it, if you will. It's like, wake up, come on. <laughs> you just employed a, one of a, a recurring tip that comes up from uh, research psychologists on this show, which is interrupting sort of negative self-talk using so-called distanced self-talk, where you refer to yourself in the second or third person, like you just did saying, Shelly, come mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. It's like, okay, take a deep breath, shoulders back, stand up straight and walk in like you're confident. Fake it, if you will. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, you're going to figure it out. That, that really, really resonated with me. You know, changing your posture and your body language and your self-talk to really just almost like muscle through it in a way. Bolstering your confidence through posture and projection and using distant self-talk, that's all great. But remember how we said to believe other people who believe in you? What about when those other people are doing the opposite, doubting your abilities? How can you handle the haters? One of the big messages I, I learned growing up um, from, my, from my parents was you can't control what people say to you, but you can control how you respond. So don't let them win. And letting them win meant if you let them control or impact how you feel, especially how you feel about yourself, especially as a black woman in America, if I actually absorbed all of the slights and comments and bias and innuendos and all that stuff that I received, I wouldn't be able to walk, I would be so heavy. And the mantra in my head was, you don't know me. So if you don't know me, you have no right to judge me or tell me what I can or cannot do. I can give you examples, you know, recently. Oh, Shelly, you're on the board of Verizon. Oh, it's so nice that they're focused on diversity. Ah, uh, how do you respond to something like that? In my head, what I say is, you poor person, are you so insecure that the only way you feel good about yourself is trying to make me feel badly for something? That's how I reframe it. My whole life, I reframe everything. Like I said, I, otherwise I, I, can't, I can't accept it. I just can't carry it. So I just reframe it. They'll say something like that. Oh, how nice. It's nice to focus on diversity. And I'll say, yes, actually, Verizon's had a diverse board for years, years before I got there. So here's another one of Shelley's tips. Decide what you're willing to be judged on. Don't fall into the trap of judging yourself according to other people's standards. The example I like to give is my daughter. My daughter was born with thick, curly hair. And so to tame her hair, you brush, you comb, but it was best to braid it. Did my husband know how to braid hair? No. Six foot two, former <laughs> football player, big hands, right? No. Did he, did he need to learn? <laughs> you bet he did. Which means for the couple months that he's learning how to take care of his daughter's hair, she's going to school with her hair looking, you know, pretty jacked up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, she's in preschool. Okay. She's in preschool. But, you know, her parts are crooked, one braid's higher than the other. And I know for a fact when she would get to school, people would be like, well, where's her mother? How could they let her out of the house looking like that, right? I wasn't willing to be judged on it. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, in a couple months, Scotty became really good. And she looked great. He was confident, worked out wonderfully. But the, <laughs> the piece that I like to share is one of the days that Scotty did her hair in the earlier days, uh, she had picture, it was picture day. One braid had come loose, fallen down and was unraveling. <laughs> and the other one was still pinned across the top of her head. 
And there she is, all big smiles in her picture. She's four, right? She's just, she didn't care. Well, we still have that picture on the wall to, to this day because it's the perfect example of we got to live by our values, by what we're willing to be judged on, not what the world wants to judge us on. Ignoring other people's judgment, that's a lot easier to say than to actually do. When we come back, Hannah will tell us about a time when someone she really trusted, this was another medical professional, actually just straight up told her, you can't hack it in med school. How do you overcome that? Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back with our experts, Shelley Archambault and Hannah, who originally wrote to us at howto at slate.com. If you have a problem that needs solving, you can do the same. Like so many people, both Shelley and Hannah have struggled with imposter syndrome. Hannah remembers one particular moment when an authority figure actually seemed to validate her feelings of inadequacy. Honestly, I have wanted to be a doctor since I was like in the third grade, but um, I have some difficulties with reading. And so um, it just takes me a little longer, but I have um, compensatory strategies that allow me to really overcome that. Before starting medical school, I was, I got some help um, from from a, like a practice that kind of helps like different types of learning, coaching and things like that. And I was in the process of applying to medical school and there was a psychiatrist there who pulled me aside and said, you will never get in and you will never make it. I just like, and and he phrased it in a way to like, do me a favor, you know, to Mm. kind of like not even try Mm. and like, you should consider your other options. And, and I think it stuck with me in that, like, maybe that's, that's a big part of it too. Mm. But that, what you just described with the psychiatrist, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty harrowing. And, and in the, the Shelley School of Reframing, I would say the fact that you overcame that, um, I hope it's something you can draw on to say, I did that. <laughs> like, I put that behind me. There were times when I wish I, had, I wasn't in medical school anymore or I thought about dropping out. But it was, yeah, it was presented in a way that was pretty hurtful. 
And yet here you are. (laughs) Yes, I suppose so. (laughs) People are sometimes made to feel badly about why a door got opened. So what I tell people all the time is it doesn't matter why the door got opened for you. Doors have been opening for people for all kinds of reasons before that had nothing to do with their achievements or their record or their capability, right? All a door opening does is to give you an opportunity. The only thing that matters is what you do when you get on the other side. That gave me chills. (laughs) Made me think about all the times that I feel like I didn't really quite deserve something. And, and, and actually it's like, maybe it was okay that I got these things. Like, like sometimes I wonder, so one of my interviewers, when I interviewed at the medical school that I'm graduating from was coincidentally turned, we found out like partway through is like the parent of somebody I went to high school with back in the day. And I was, and then I've always wondered, is that why I got in? Because, because of that, you know, and, and it, but it's like, what does it matter? Like Mm. I, use this and that's what gave me chills of like it what does it matter if as long as I do something with that and and in my mind something positive with that here's another rule worry about doing something positive with your opportunity not about why you got it in the first place doors open for all sorts of random reasons what matters is what you do next Hannah, I'm interested in this issue that because of COVID, you're going in with less experience than you normally would have had. And and I wonder if that just means you're just going to ask, you know, have to ask for help a little more often than if you had had more experience. And Shelley, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about asking for help. I believe that asking for help is a strength and not a weakness. The reason I feel that way is if you look, nobody has accomplished anything of significance all by themselves. And therefore... Why should I think that I could do that? That's the lesson that I learned. I was at IBM, and I wish I had learned it earlier. I think I was a second-line manager by that point, and I was taking over a new role that was actually a brand-new initiative that IBM was rolling out. And my boss mm-hmm. said to me, he said, you know, Shelley, there's a guy in Baltimore who's actually been involved in getting this initiative off the ground, so he's been doing it for about six months. Why don't you go talk to him? So I traveled to Baltimore, met with him, got some insights and perspective, the whole bit. I came back and I felt so much more confident. And I was like, I'm going to do that from now on. (laughs) There's always people Mm. who have done these jobs before I get them. Why didn't I think to do this before? Here's another rule. Ask for help. Shelley says you don't have to phrase it as a plea for aid. It can be an invitation for someone to give you advice. Like, I'd love to hear your perspective. After all, people like to be helpful. And they love to talk about themselves. Shelly, what about when you actually, because um, Hannah will have this, when you actually do fail, not you're not just feeling like you fail, but actually you do fail at something. What about, you know, picking yourself back up from that in a way that doesn't just magnify that imposter syndrome of like, you know, the imposter syndrome was proven right. Oh, definitely. And, you know, the story I'll share, because it really helped shape my overall view around failure. I was, goodness, I was probably just a few years into my career, and I had sold this big deal, Rite Aid drugstores. Rite Aid was going to buy IBM point of sale and all the computer equipments to support the point of sale for all of their thousands of stores. This was a big Mm -hmm. deal. It had huge visibility in the company. Executives flew in, met with the CEO. I mean, this is high visibility, high praise. Everybody's excited. This is great. Well, about a month before equipment starts shipping, 
the CEO calls me into his office and tells me they've changed their mind. What? Wow. What? So not only am I going to miss my quota as a result of this, but now I have to go back and tell everybody. I mean, everybody. This wasn't like this little deal that no one knew about. This was huge. When people see me, it's almost like there's been a death. Oh, Shelly, I heard what happened, right? Oh, my God. It's awful, <laughs> awful. So I come home. It's like probably the third day of this, right? I come home. My husband's like, how are you? And I said, not good. This has just been awful. I just can't believe this, blah, blah, blah. I'm just, oh, I'm just so down. And he looks at me and he says, Shelly, the morning period is over. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he's like, you are the same person you were three days ago before you got the news. So this doesn't change who you are. Yes, you failed. But you're only a failure if you don't move on from it, if you don't learn from it. Here's our final rule. Failure doesn't mean that you're the imposter you've always feared you are. You can't control everything. Stuff happens. The real failure would be to let a setback define you. Do you think there can actually be any benefits to imposter syndrome? Like, any, I mean, people, you know, athletes talk all the time about the benefit to having sort of a chip on your shoulder and people not believing in you. Do, you. do you think imposter syndrome can be used to your advantage in any way? Well, I think one thing that it can absolutely do is keep you humble, right? Yeah. It's based upon our conversation with Hannah. I don't think Hannah's walking out there tomorrow saying, yo, world, I got this covered, so get in line and follow my path, right? I mean... <laughs> Um, <laughs> experience who exactly, needs that. Exactly, right, exactly, right. No. So, I do, so I do think that imposter syndrome does keep you humble. And I think when you're humble, you're more likely to listen, you're more likely to learn, you're more likely to want to continue to grow and develop. I think just one remaining question I have for you is like, is there like a, like a tangible day-to-day thing you can do to kind of, you know, keep imposter syndrome at bay or like, is there a preventative action rather than, you know, treating the acute symptom manifestation? Mm, really good question. I haven't necessarily found here's the preventative piece. My best advice is it's sometimes easier to manage imposter syndrome when you feel more in control of what you're doing. So I always encourage people to be proactive in managing your own career. A lot of people abdicate that. They get all the education that they need. They get their credentials. They get the training. They invest a lot. And then they let someone else decide what they're going to go do, when they can take on new assignments, right? When they can do this. I'm like, hmm, much better if you actually think through what do you want? Let others know what you want. And then work towards that. And by being in control of what you're doing and setting those goals and objectives and then achieving them can help you work through the imposter syndrome. Yeah, it puts things into perspective of like, you know, if you're working towards your goals, like what does it matter how, how graceful you look in the process, <laughs> you know? Hannah, I mean, so many things you've done, you're, you are overcoming uh, imposter syndrome. You know, you, you're doing these things. I, I appreciate you sharing your story, your vulnerability. Um, and I'm encouraged that <laughs> that someone like you uh, will be going into the medical field. Um, so I'm happy about it. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. 
Thank you to Hannah for sharing her story with us, and thanks to Shelley Archambault for her great advice. Be sure to look for her book, Unapologetically Ambitious. Take risks, break barriers, and create success on your own terms. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out How to Be a Badass on and off the court, featuring a woman who wants to be more confident in her tennis game and at the office. And if you've ever suffered from imposter syndrome and you heard something useful today, please let us know that by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen. That helps us find more listeners so we can solve more problems. And finally, if you'd like to support How To, I hope you'll consider signing up for Slate Plus. It's just $1 for the first month, and you'll get zero ads on all Slate podcasts, including this one. To sign up, go to slate.com slash howtoplus. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen and Rosemary Belson produced the show. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown, remixed by Merritt Jacob, our technical director. Charles Duhigg, our host emeritus, is faking it till he makes it somewhere. I'm David Epstein. See you next time.